retreat. I hope that this is the most uh, memorable retreat uh, for all of us. Especially uh, this time, we are going to focus on the relationship. Uh, relationship is something that uh, we all have, and that is uh, what I like to see. Uh, relationship is uh, what we are all interested uh, but how little we really know about the relationship. And also we are very, uh, we always uh, have some relationship with people, but how little we think about uh, the dynamics or the meaning of the relationship. Uh, everything is relationship, and relationship affects us the most, more than anything else. And in almost every moment of our lives, relationship affects us. And yet, we are very ignorant of the dynamics of the relationship. So for the next three days, we are going to explore together three different aspects of relationship. And first lecture I'm going to tonight, I'm going to talk about uh, I, uh, the person I, can be only un understood in terms, in the context of relationship we have. And then second lecture I'm going to focus on, then if I, if I can only be understood in the context of the relationship, what is that relationship that shapes me and defines me? And that is what I'm going to focus on tomorrow morning. And tomorrow night, I'm going to focus on that. What should be our attitude? And uh, the third lecture will be short because uh, it is a practical uh, suggestion, but I'd like to hear more from you. So you hear first two lectures. And then, of course, I will give some meat uh, to it. But you think about it. What will be the best? What will be the most most appropriate attitude to have good relationship? So those things we, you will discuss together, and you will explore together, and we will learn from each other. So the last last night, I hope that we can talk a lot. So each group uh, talks about it. We learn about. Uh, what kind of attitude we should have to have good uh, relationship. So today, uh, of course, uh, I'm going to talk about relationship. Relationship is not just only the Christians uh, have. Everybody has a relationship. But of course, I'm going to uh, reflect on the relationship from Christian point of view, or rather I would say biblical point of view. Uh, what does Bible say? So it, it is very uh, narrowed down. It's not just generally relationship, but what does the Bible say about the relationship uh, that uh, we have? So uh, I hope that we can all learn uh, about the relationship and share what you think about the relationship, especially from uh, the biblical uh, point of view. So let us uh, look at first, uh, explore together the first proposition. I can be only understood in the context of the relationship we have.
who am I? Is a question uh, we all ask. Who am I? And what is this I? And then we question a lot about this I. Who am I? We always ask this question. Who am I? But this I does not exist in isolation by itself. This I always exists in relationship. I cannot be defined on its own. God stands alone. God said, I am who I am. From the word, I am who I am, Yahweh. In English, it's called Jehovah. This Yahweh came from the uh, phrase, I am who I am. When Moses uh, met God in a burning bush, what is your name? Moses asked, and then God said, I am who I am, Yahweh. And from there, uh, most Bible translation, they called it Lord. But uh, Jehovah, Yahweh, the name came from. I'm going to talk about it a little later, too. Even God stands alone, but even God does not stand alone in that way. But God can stand alone, but we, I, cannot stand alone. I can be understood always by the relationship that I have. So I am connected with all these people like a matrix. When we try to understand I as a separate, unconnected being, I don't understand what this I is. But when, I mean, it's only a concept. But when I see I in relationship, then we can see what it is. As an example, as an example, let us look at oxygen. Oxygen by itself is hard to understand uh, what it is. But when oxygen is understood, in its relationship with other elements, then we can see what it is. When it's H2O, becomes water. And CO, poisonous gas. So by itself, it's hard to understand, but when we connect that with our other elements, ah, that's what it looks like. But in the same way, I, by itself, it's hard to see what it is. But when we understand I in, con in the context of my relationship with others, ah, this I looks like this. We can see that a little bit. The whole universe exists in relationship. They move together in relating to each other. I mean, Galileo had a trouble uh, because he said, that, oh, it's not the sun that is moving. It is the earth that is moving. Well, you know, modern scientists say that sun and earth are moving in relation. It's not that one is uh, fixed and the other moves. 
depending on the uh, frame of reference, both move, but they move in relationship. So whole universe moves in relationship. Let's see who I am. Let's say I'm a son or I'm a daughter. Without relationship with parents, we cannot say that I'm a son or a daughter. Before I say that I'm a daughter, my relationship with my mother has to be established because I cannot be a daughter by myself. Can you? You can't be a daughter by yourself. You can only be a daughter with your relationship with your mother. When I say I'm a doctor, I cannot say that without my relationship with my patient, I cannot say that I'm a doctor. I was born as a result of relationship. I was born in relationship, and I live in relationship. My identity is intimately connected with the relationship that I have. So the theme of this retreat is you and I, the relationship that we are going to talk about. African saying, there's African saying, I am because you are. You have uh, that in your notes. I am because you are, and because we are, I am. That's how they understand I. I am because you are, because we are, I am. They don't think of I on its own. Always they understood I in the context of the relationship with others. In other words, I is connected, this I is connected with you. They didn't see I as a separated uh, individual uh, unit, but connected. I in the rugged individualism, I as an autonomous, unconnected, self-sufficient being, I think that's an imposter. When we think about I, separate from everything else, autonomous, self-sufficient, and unconnected being, I think that's the illusion. Sometimes we think of salvation in that way. I go to heaven. We only think of heaven in terms of I going to the heaven. So very individualistic. I exists all by itself without really realizing that I is very much connected with all the people around you. Without you, I does not exist. Because you are, I am. In Christianity, it is not just human beings that exist in relationship. In Christianity, in the Bible, even God exists in relationship. That's what Trinity is all about. God in three, one in three, three in one. And we are not going to deal with the complex theories of Trinity. All I want to say is that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit exist in dynamic relationship with each other. I mean, today uh, we are going to read the scripture and think about these three persons do not exist in isolation. 
in the dynamic relationship, they interact with each other and they exist in perfect harmony. The, the relationship they have is not a dead, static relationship, but a dynamic, living relationship. They work together in perfect harmony. Look at, uh, in your notes, John 14, 10. Does everybody have a uh, note? Who doesn't have it? You have to follow uh, that with me. Lecture on note one. John 14, 10, when you look at it. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? See, I am in the Father. Jesus is in the Father, and the Father is in Jesus. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. So, Father and Jesus are very connected. Even the word Jesus speaks is the word that God, uh, the Father gives uh, from within. There are some seeds uh, at the front. I mean, it's hard to understand all the dynamics, but what we need to understand at this moment is that the Father and Son, Jesus, very connected. And they, they, Jesus uses language uh, like, I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Not separated beings. I am alone, I'm by myself, but I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. And also, when you look at the uh, next uh, verse, that is the relationship with the Holy Spirit. John 16, 13 to 15. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own. The Spirit will not speak on his own but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare to you all that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. When you look at it, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they are connected. They are not speaking on their own. They are not speaking their own opinion. They are in perfect harmony. They are speaking things together. The Father gives the Son, and Son gives to uh, the Spirit, and Spirit speaks. And then, but that what Spirit speaks is connected with the Father and connected with the Son. So the, when you look at God, all three God persons are moving in perfect harmony. And we don't know. I mean, it's a God's realm. It's, a, it's hard to understand what is going on there. But what we can see is that it's the, there is a movement, perfect movement, perfect harmony in, uh, in God. So God is not alone. God works in relationship. There, there tremendous intimate relationship is going on in God's realm. So the Trinity is not about mathematics. Three in one and one in three. The main point about the Trinity is that God exists in relationship. That's what 
the Christianity proclaims. That's what the Bible proclaims. God exists in relationship. They exist, they work, they move in perfect harmony. They are distinct person, distinct person, but not divided, but united in one through perfect relationship. We are distinct individual, but we are not divided. We are not separated. We are connected together. This oneness is oneness of harmony. This is God's, if th that is God's nature, the creation of God also is in relationship. Everything that God made is in relationship. For example, the whole universe that God created and that whole universe exists in relationship. It cannot exist all by itself. It all exists in relationship. The human beings who are created in God's image, remember, I mean, we have to think about what does it mean to, uh, to be created in God's image? Well, uh, traditionally, I uh, uh, gave you the note. Uh, there are three uh, things, substantive, functional, and relational. Uh, those three things are the what uh, uh, most people talked about. I'm not going to talk about uh, much of it. Substantive is a rational being, and then uh, functional beings. God takes care of the creation in the same way we human beings cre uh, take care of creation. Third one is relational, that God is real. So we are created in God's image. The most powerful statement about us being created in God's image is that as God is in relationship, we are also in relationship because we are created in God's image. So it is not a matter of whether I want relationship or not. It is the order of God's creation that we all human beings may be in relationship. What did Jesus say? The greatest commandment was. What is the greatest commandment? Jesus said. What is it? What is it? Somebody said it. Okay, and love your neighbor as yourself. What is that? The greatest commandment is to have relationship. To have relationship with God and to have relationship with neighbor. And the characteristic of that relationship is love. So God's great, Jesus' greatest commandment is to have relationship. For all of us to have great relationship. Not just relationship, but great relationship with God and great relationship with one another. That's God's greatest commandment. The most important thing. Then, the greatest Disobedience is that instead of building relationship, use each other for the sake of building one's ego and benefit. That's the greatest disobedience. Instead of building relationship with God and with each other, you use God and each other for your own benefit and for your own personal ego, then that is the greatest 
focus of this. Instead of loving God and loving neighbor, use God and use neighbor for yourself. The greatest sin is not just a moral failure. Oh, I did this, I did that. The greatest sin is not just moral failure. The greatest sin is use other people only to satisfy one's self-centered agenda. Doesn't matter what that is. The greatest sin and the greatest disobedience is use others and also use God only to satisfy one's self-centered agenda. Others become only tools to get what I want. All I want is me. And all others exist only as tools to satisfy what I need. That is the greatest sin. That is the greatest disobedience. When we look at God's greatest commandment is to have relationship with one another. There is, I mean, in that kind of attitude, there is no real relationship. I mean, you don't know what, what relationship is. But only self-centered and self-interested agenda. This self is corrupted self. This self is corrupted self. And this kind of false identity, when you live with this kind of false identity, then you will have false relationship with the reality. When you fall into your corrupted self and false identity, then you will relate to the world in a false way. Totally corrupted self. This self does not have to be one individual. Sometimes it is collective I. Collective I, for example, for example, Nazism. That is collective I. For us, we use everybody else to move forward our own agenda and our own interest. And that is greatest sin and greatest disobedience. Others become easily dispensable. Oh, if you're there, good. If you're not there, I will find somebody. They are always dispensable. You move from one friend to another, from one human being to another human being. As long as my needs are met, I don't care who that is. So other people become dispensable. They are not at all connected with me. They are just there to serve my needs. There is no some understanding of because you are, I am. There is no you and I. There is only I, I, and I. In this self-centeredness, we see tremendous fear that I don't matter at all. That's why I try to make myself visible so hard. That's why you become more and more self-centered. And then you choose this false identity. St. Paul described us as what? St. Paul described church as what? Body. 
St. Paul described our existence as body. We don't exist by ourselves. We are the body of Christ. I am a part of a body, and I am connected with all other parts of the body. The hands cannot say to the feet, I don't need you, because they both are part of the body. One part of the body hurts, then the whole body hurts. What does this say? This is very much the idea of because you are, I am. Because you are, I am. Without you, I am not. So we are very connected in that way. Think about this. You disconnect hands by, by themselves. You don't call, I don't know what, what you call them, you know, hands by themselves. Only when hands are connected with the body, then, oh, there are hands. And uh, there, there's a function. There's a uh, living uh, reality there. But hands by, by themselves, they don't mean anything. In the same way, us, same thing. We, we, when we exist all by ourselves, it doesn't mean much. But when we are connected with each other, then it has meaning. Soren Kierkegaard, uh, existentialist uh, philosopher, he said in his work of love, in his book, uh, Work of Love, uh, I have a quotation there, true love does not embrace others in spite of their flaws as if rising above them. Rather, it finds the other lovable in spite of and together with the his weaknesses and errors and imperfections. Because of your beloved's weakness, you shall not remove yourself from him or make your relationship more remote. On the contrary, the two of you shall hold together with greater solidarity and inwardness in order to remove weakness. So what he's saying is, you are not just accepting other people in spite of their weaknesses, but when you are connected, you work together to overcome each other's weakness. So it is our responsibility to help each other to overcome their own weaknesses. When God created the world, every day he said, after cre uh, creation, he said, it is good. Uh, whatever he created, it is good. But only once in creation, creation story, only once God said, it is not good. When did he say that? It is not good that man should be alone. That's only time God said that it is not good. That's uh, Genesis 2.18. So God created Eve. It's not that Adam needed a romance. Uh, because he's all by himself, it is not good. He needs romance. He needs a woman. That's not what uh, the scripture is saying. What the, when the God created Eve does not simply mean that he created another human being. By creating another human being, what God really is doing is God created relationship. By creating Eve, he did not just create another human being. God created relationship for Adam. Adam 
needed the relation. So in that sense, one plus one is not equal to two. One plus one is equal to three. That is, Adam is created, Eve is created, and and is created. Created. The relationship is created. So one plus one is equal to two, uh, three. By creating Eve, God created the relationship. I think that's more important. Creation is not just the creation of the physical and material things. Biblical understanding of creation is more focused on the quality of creation. By creating the relationship, our life is more beautiful. By creating relationship, Adam's life is much, much more beautiful and fulfilling. Sometimes we see things only literally, so we don't get the beautiful meaning uh, behind it. Once at Oxford uh, University, uh, the professor in English class, professor gave uh, the uh, 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 test. Okay, Cana story, Jesus turning water into wine. I want you to make a, uh, your own interpretation. And then he gave the uh, class one hour. Everybody was writing about what that means, that God, uh, uh, Jesus turned water into wine. And there was one uh, uh, guy, he was just sitting there looking at the window. And then he didn't do anything for a whole hour. And just before uh, the exam was over, he wrote something. And he wrote this. The conscious water saw its God and blushed. He just simply said one sentence. And he got A. Conscious water saw its God and blushed. Sometimes, sometimes we look at only the miracle of physical things, but we don't see the beauty of it. Uh, and that is biased to uh, grade. But actually, uh, the real person who wrote it was Richard uh, Kershaw, uh, the people, a person before Bible. What is important is not that there were Adam and Eve, the important thing is what kind of relationship were they in? Adam and Eve were created, but what kind of relationship were they in? That's more important. That's what's more important. If they were fighting all the time, that's a curse rather than blessing. But Adam and Eve, after they were created, what did Adam say? He said, in Genesis 2.23, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. It's not just message about a married couple. This uh, passage used uh, uh, often at the marriage ceremony, but it's not just about marriage. The quality of the relationship that first human being had. You are bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. And the quality of the first relationship human beings had. The first relationship human beings had was this beautiful. And the relationship
images of the first human being had was this beautiful bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. They were in perfect harmony. They had become one. In the self-centered person, who is in the center? God is in the center. But when the relationship of you and I When the relationship of you and I is created, when you're all by yourself, I is the center. But when the relationship of you and I is created, what is in the center? N is the center. The self-centered person doesn't see N because it's so absorbed in themselves. But when true relationship is created, they start seeing the importance of N. You and I, and the important thing is N. It's not I. I'm not using you to fulfill my needs. But what is important is the relationship that we are building. That's what's more important than my needs. So the center changes when the true relationship is built. Not you, not I. But end. We are created to live in this relationship. We are not meant to be autonomous, self-centered individuals. We are created to continuously build relationship with each other. But because of human sins, these relationships were destroyed. And Jesus came to restore this relationship. Jesus called his disciples and said, I'll be your friends. So our relationship is, it will be friendship. I will not call you servants anymore. You and I are friends. And he said, what good friend does? Good friend sacrificed his life. For his friend. That's what friends are like. And he showed what true friendship is. Now all of you are now called to be disciples of Jesus Christ. That means being a disciple of Jesus Christ means to live your life building good quality relationships. Be a friend to each other like Jesus did. The kind of relationship you have with others will shape you and form you, uh, will shape the kind of person you become. If you, if you are in an abusive relationship, then that will shape you as a certain person. But as you are in a very self-centered relationship, that will shape you to become a self-centered person. From when you're young, you have been shaped by the relationship that you have. Consciously or unconsciously. From when you're young, you were shaped 
by your parents, by the relationship you have with your parents. And different kinds of friends over the years have shaped you to be who you are now. You may know or may not know, but the kinds of friends you have had all these years have shaped you in a certain way. And all kinds of people you have associated with, your colleagues, the people who loved you, who respected you, have shaped you in certain ways. If I didn't do the ministry, I would have had different relationship with the people, and I would have become a very different person uh, from person um, from uh, now. The quality of relationship I have is a quality of who I am. There's a, uh, I shared a little bit at the uh, women's Bible study. There was a guy that I have uh, counseled was, uh, many years ago, uh, counseled uh, for several months. Uh, he was uh, a problem with the drug. Was addicted, uh, and by the time uh, he came to me, uh, he was uh, really, really uh, heavily addicted by drug. And so I uh, met uh, with him every week, and his face, uh, his skin, everything just to change uh, quite a bit because of drug addiction. So I uh, met him uh, uh, every week, uh, and then. Uh, he also uh, developed uh, antisocial behavior. And so he, uh, whenever he uh, met, uh, you know, uh, people, he always had a uh, fight, uh, antisocial behavior. And uh, he, he had a really, really uh, difficult time uh, surviving in the society. Uh, and, it, uh, you know, he, he calls any time, uh, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, doesn't matter. Whenever he feels like uh, talking, he calls me. And then uh, he starts talking until 1, 2 o'clock. And then I don't get to say anything. He just talks, talks, talks for about two, three hours. Like, uh, you know, after a while, you know, when the phone rings around 11 o'clock, I get nervous. Oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? Do I answer it or not, you know? <laughs> but I have no choice. I'm a minister, you know? <laughs> I'm supposed to respond to that, you know? So I uh, received a phone call, and then he starts talking. Oh, my goodness. Oh, when is he going to? I mean, he, he applies for a job. I mean, he's a mechanic. He gets a job. And because of his antisocial behavior, in a week, he gets fired. And when he gets fired, he calls me. And then all he said was about blaming everyone. Not a, none, none of his own problem. Everybody else is uh, all bad. You know, they did this, and I mean, uh, and uh, I did that for about several months, and he was getting a little, a uh, little, little, uh, just a little bit better, but almost I felt hopeless and helpless. Gee, I cannot just go on like this. I have my own life too, you know. I cannot <laughs> once a day, uh, once a week. I can't do this, and uh, and then uh, after a while, he, uh, he left the church. And he left me. I was very sad, but I said, no. <laughs> Relieved a little bit, too. But, uh, but, but more sad, right? Uh, because I couldn't really uh, help him. 
but uh, we, we built a, a friendship. So after a while, and then he came back to me one day. I said, okay. He, he said, Reverend, can you marry me? Found a woman? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I found a woman. Yeah. Can you marry me? And I, oh, when? Yeah. Oh, this Friday. That was Thursday or something like that. This uh, tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you do that? Of course. So, do, do you have any witness? No. <laughs> I, I don't have any. Also, I called just two, two of my Bible study group. Okay, you be witness, you be witness <laughs> for me. So uh, I did a wedding. And then she was about 20, 20 years older than him. And then I, I didn't marry. And then she really Jesus, the relationship uh, he had with her. Through her, I mean, she's much older, but she understood what he was going through. She, she was the only one who could understand it. Everybody else was so judgmental, they could not help it. But she was able to handle that. So she was, uh, uh, I mean, he was changing uh, uh, radically. And then uh, I, I didn't see him for about two, three years. And then uh, one day he called me. He said, Reverend, Reverend, I want to bring my baby. You're the first person I wanted to show. And then he brought a baby. You know, the kind of relationship we have can shape I am. The beautiful relationship you create can shape the person in a beautiful way. When we build a new relationship with God, it will have profound impact not only on you, but also on your relationship with others. So who I am and the relationship I have are influencing each other. St. Paul, after he met Christ in a real way, he met God in a real way, he said this, I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. This is what St. Paul said. He didn't say, Oh, before I met God, I was this bad. But after I met God, I'm this good now. That is exactly opposite of what, uh, you know, uh, 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 what St. Paul said. I do not understand. I mean, before he said, I'm good. But now after meeting Christ, he said, I do not understand myself because I do not do the good I want. But the evil that I do not want to do. That I do. What does that mean? Paul was able to see himself in a naked way. He was awakened to his true self. He was not scared of his own darkness. That's courage, isn't it? He knew that his darkness cannot destroy him. That's confidence. Isn't it? He knew the power of God's grace working within him. When he truly met God in a real way and built real relationship with God, he was able to accept himself. 
no matter who he was. That is the power of grace. And then he became a very humble person. And he saw others' weaknesses, and he could have empathy and compassion, and he lived his life with thankfulness. The point is, depending on what kind of relationship we have with God, we can have tremendous transformation within us. But if you have very fearful relationship with God, that will shape you in a different way. When you have very superficial relationship with God, that will shape you in a different way. But St. Paul had real relationship with God, and that shaped him and showed him God's grace. The transformation so powerful, St. Paul said, in Christ, we are a new creation. Behold, the old has gone and the new has come. That transformation was so powerful that he was even able to say that we are a new creation. When we are comfortable with ourselves, we will be comfortable with our relationship. We don't need to be so defensive. We don't need to be so judgmental. We don't need to be so angry all the time. We don't need to live with victim mentality. You can get out of your own castle and meet other people and relate to them in a meaningful way. I think Jesus Christ came to give us that transformation. We live in isolation, in anger, frustration, fear, and Jesus brings us out of, out of our own castle and helps us to relate to other people. That is the power that Jesus showed us. And I would like to give you biblical example. I'm going to invite three people today. Uh, especially I uh, invited them and brought them all the way from Toronto. Michelle, and three, can you come out? Yeah. Michelle's friends. <laughs> Max and Will. And they'll read the scripture in a dramatic way, like Shakespearean kind of way. Listen, listen to this woman's story. This is a story in the Bible, but listen to the woman's story. You want to use microphone or? You can project your voice, eh? Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard Jesus is making and baptizing more disciples than John, although it was not Jesus himself but his disciples he baptized, he left Judea and started back to Galilee, but he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of the ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. 
his disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I give will give them will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, (laughs) I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You're right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the only one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Your worship, what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, For the Father seeks such as these to worship him, God in spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. Who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. But no one said, what do you want or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, Come and see a man who has told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Yes, Shakespearean act. Yes, enjoyed it very much. Okay, this Samaritan woman. She came out to draw water at 12 o'clock at noon. But in Jewish uh, climate, you don't come out at 12 o'clock. It's too hot. So most women came out in the morning, early in the morning, when it is cool. But she came out at 12. Why? She didn't want to meet anybody. At first, when Jesus approached her, her rejection. You are man and you are Jew. Why do you talk to me? Immediately, she shuts herself off. In other words, she did not want to associate with anybody. She was living in isolation. Jesus tried to keep talking to her, but she was shut off. She wouldn't say anything. Finally, Jesus, Jesus had no way uh, no way but to say that you have five husbands. And then 
She was shocked. Nobody knew. And then Jesus knew. And from then on, she started talking with her. And then Jesus was talking to her as though she was a colleague. Jesus was talking about worship. Jesus was talking about salvation. Jesus was talking about the end of the world. Jesus was talking about Messiah. All this important theological stuff, Jesus was talking with this Samaritan woman. She was engaged in that conversation. At the end of that conversation, she was transformed. How do you know? She threw away the water bucket, and where did she go? She went to the town to meet people and talk to them about this Messiah. These are the people she did not want to meet. That's why she came out at 12 o'clock at noon. But after meeting, after building relationship with Jesus Christ, she experienced tremendous transformation. She threw away that jar and she went back to the town and met people and related to them. When we meet God in a real way, then we can come out of the closet. We can come out of the isolation. And only then we can build relationship with others. When, we, when I used to teach them uh, the baptism, this is what I drew. I'm not a good drawer. You are alone and you die with Christ. When you rise with Christ, you are connected with the people. You are alone, but now you are in relationship. And that's what real spiritual formation does. Before you were scared of people, now you overcame that, overcame that fear, and now you can relate to people in a meaningful way. Saint Dorotheus of Gaza, you uh, you have that picture there, right? Closer to God, you get closer to each other. When you get closer to each other, you get closer to God. They are both connected. So you cannot meet God separately. When you're closer to God, your relationship becomes closer. And when you your relationship becomes closer, you can get closer to God. Love is not always about how you feel. Love is the way I exist in the world. It is my attitude to 
towards the world and to others. Rainer Maria Rilke said this, for human being to love another human being, that is perhaps the most difficult task that has been entrusted to us. The ultimate task, the final test and proof, the work for which all other work is mere preparation. The most liberated person is the person who is free to love. That freedom is the greatest freedom one can enjoy. From this freedom, the most beautiful relationship can be created. An authentic relationship comes from this freedom. Authentic relationships are different from codependency. Codependency is not bonding, but it is entanglement. It does not free us, it binds us. We are called to build meaningful relationship. Spiritual journey is a journey to make these relationships. Jesus called us and said, now I'll make you fishers of people. You can take the relationship for granted. You cannot treat each other with our raw emotions. We cannot treat each other with our greed, selfishness, self-centeredness, indifference, arrogance, and rudeness. Because these things destroy the relationship. Not only what we do, but our inner attitude can destroy the relationship. Our judgmental attitude, deeply seated anger, insecurity, and all these things destroy our relationship. To build relationship, it takes time, energy, money, and everything. You don't just get a bank after you build relationship. For example, you spend so much time and energy, you save certain amount in the bank account. The next day, will you, will you just throw it away? You will not. Relationship, same thing. It takes time, energy, and money to build relationship just because you were ticked, just because you were a little upset, you throw away the relationship. That's dumb. We can't do that. Sometimes we do that. Why? Because we think that, oh, I can always have relationship with anybody. If not her, somebody else. But relationship to build another relationship, it takes that much time to build. By throwing, uh, throwing away relationships like that, we are back to zero. You have to start all over again, your friendship or your relationship. One person at night, I mean in, the, in the morning before sunrise, uh, uh, he went out and then on the uh, shore, at the shore, he was walking around, but he couldn't see anything. Pitch dark, uh, still uh, in the morning, uh, and then some uh, he hit something, some kind of package, and there was kind of pebbles. So he was bored, so he, he uh, took out one pebble and threw it and counted how many times he could do that. He, he threw away all that, and then while he was doing that, sun started rising, and then, uh, he had about three pebbles left, and then he saw it. It wasn't pebbles. It was diamonds. All this time, he threw away all the diamonds into the ocean. Only thing that he had 
the spirit I'm, uh, spirit I'm. Sometimes relationship is like that. Not thinking that there was a diamond, we threw away one by one for fun. And the only thing that is left, not even three, one or two. You know, a lot of people live lonely life at the end of their life. No friends anymore. They're just by themselves. Because they threw away. They threw away all the relationship. They have only their spouse. No one left. Relationship is precious. How often we take that as a useless, insignificant pebble, pebble and throw away. Jesus related to the sick. Jesus related to the lepers, the tax collectors, adulterers, the prostitutes, the sinners. He treated them as the most precious people in the world. He knew the price, he knew the priceless value of relationship. Guitar, $700. Mike, $300. Water, $2. Relationship, priceless. You are mysteriously precious. Each person is mysteriously precious. When we discover that treasure, and then relate to each other in a meaningful way, then you are fulfilling God's mission. That's what God wants to do. God created each and every one of us mysteriously precious. And we don't see that. And we treat each other like a garbage. When it's a precious diamond. When we discover that beauty and preciousness, and relate to each other in a meaningful way, then our life will turn around. It will be more, much, much more abundant and blessed life when we are able to build relationship in a new way. So this is it for tonight. Tomorrow I'm going to talk about then what is that relationship? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for giving us this time and place together. We meditate and explore together what the relationship is. Using Bible examples and our own personal examples. As we discuss together, O oh Lord, help us to explore our own relationship with each other. Thank you, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.